Hey guys, Kurt here. A couple quick announcements before we get into the latest episode of the podcast. Just to let you know, we are teaming up with the Flip to Table podcast to raise money for sick kids for our Extra Life campaign. There are a couple of ways that you can donate money while getting great RPG goodness in the process. So what are the ways to do that? All the info is on our website, mfgcast.com. One of the ways is that you can go to drivethroughrpg.com and buy the co-written RPG between me and Taylor of the Brush, Breaking the Fourth Wall in the Fifth Dimension. You can pay what you want, and all the money that you pay for that goes to our Extra Life campaign. Another way you can do it is you can sign up to get 12 RPGs from Riverhouse Games. The first way to do it is the first person to sign up either commenting on the website or on our Twitter at, at, at mfgcast.com or on our Facebook page gets 12 RPGs written by Taylor from Riverhouse Games for $25. Then after that, we're going to auction off the next set of 12 RPGs from Riverhouse Games starting at $25. And the third way you can help us raise money for Extra Life is you can rent me out as a GM. For $25, I'll run a one-shot RPG session with you and up to three friends. Pay $50, and I'll run a two-session campaign with you. And then if you pay $75 to $100, I will run a six-month campaign for you. Whatever RPG you want me to run, I'll run it for you. The only caveat is that it has to be on my schedule, but I am pretty flexible. So those are the great ways that you can help us raise money for Extra Life. Or if you want to, go to the MFG Cast page, click on the top right icon for the Extra Life, go straight to our Extra Life page, and pay a little bit of your hard-earned money out of your pocket. And let's raise some money for a great cause. Thanks for listening, and back to the show. This is the MFG Cast. Kurt here. Another month, another great interview. We've got another great guest. He's got a Kickstarter coming out on October 18th. It's for the Open Legend RPG. Brian Feaster is here. Brian, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man. No problem. So before we get into the talking about your Kickstarter and your RPG and the inner workings of it, let's talk about where you started and how your career has blossomed into this wonderful RPG that we're going to be talking about. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So uh, my background, when I one of my earlier professions was mainly as a designer. So I, I did a lot of web design stuff and, and print design, that kind of thing. I worked a lot with uh, clients to give them a, a visual brand identity, you know, representation for their business and, uh, you know, like small, medium clients and stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. later in my career, I moved more to larger, working for larger organizations and companies. And hand in hand with that, I also moved into doing more programming. So nowadays, 
Uh, I'm a senior UI UX architect for web software company. And yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's my background. And how I got to be into RPGs, that predates my professional career, of course. <laughs> so I was, uh, <laughs> I guess I started playing D&D when I was like 12 or 13. So that was like 20 years ago for me. So yeah, that's, I mean, but I open legend and we'll talk more about it later, but it, it borrows a lot from what I've learned as a programmer. I'm like real into, um, we have a principle in computer programming that says, you know, you design these functions that are pro code or programs that get used and you want them to be like, uh, focused and, and really specific. They do this one thing and they do that one thing really well. And I feel like that's something that uh, Open Legend does that's interesting. Uh, maybe that's not as common in other RPGs where you have like this sort of streamlined approach, maybe. Nice. Well, that's a, that's a good segue there to go into what is Open Legend. So why don't you, in not so much detail, because I'm sure there's just a lot of stuff you can cram into talking sure. about it, but why don't you just give us like the cliff's notes of, of what exactly Open Legend is all about? Cool. Yeah. So Open Legend is, it's, it's an open genre game, which is, you know, in, in many of its characteristics, right, it's not the first of its kind, right? So you have, you have GURPS, you know, which is one of the earlier open genre games. But, you know, if you look at GURPS, it's real complex. So one of the things I wanted to do with Open Legend was make a game that it's easy for a game to be open genre if there are little to no rules, right? But for it to feel like a game where you get the bet, there's, there's different psychological aspects when you play a role-playing game there's the game aspect the fun aspect the strategy and all that stuff and then there's the storytelling aspect right so games that are really light on rules in my opinion they tend to yeah sure they can fit any genre because there's not any rules that are getting in your way right but i wanted to do something that had a lot of game and a lot of fun because i feel like a lot of fun comes from the game you know but then also be open genre. So that that's one aspect. Um, and like I just said, streamlining was a big motivation for me. So we have, we, we literally just have like three bins of things. There's attributes, and they are also kind of like, they're both ability scores, but they're also like magic in a weird way. So we get okay. into that, we can get into that later. And anything that has to do with secondary effects or tied to your attributes and then feats, which kind of enhance your attributes or add new abilities. And then uh, not yet released, and I haven't talked much about this publicly, so this is a little bit of an early preview. Be uh, we have uh, what's called flaws, sorry, perks and flaws. And perks and flaws are the things that you uh, expect from like a racial benefit or something like that. But they're also like profession librarian or sailor or something like that, right? So... You know, so th those are those bins. And then I guess there's one other, th I said three, there's, I should say four. The fourth one is Banes and Boons, and they're connected to attributes, right? So they are secondary effects that take place like knocking somebody down or paralyzing them or uh, setting them on fire so that they keep burning every round or something like that. So those are, and then also Boons on the other side are beneficial things like invisibility or teleporting or something like that. Nice. So that's the that's the overview of the whole thing. So okay. nice. <laughs> well, that's a that's a great uh, explanation, and that kind of goes into my next question. So, 
So, of course, you talked about, like, you know, you, we see all these RPGs and, you know, there's going to be a lot more, you know. So sure. you're going to see some that take from some and take from others and some that are its own thing. You know, what what a, what is it about Open Legend that separates it from the other stuff? I think the thing about Open Legend that separates it from the other stuff is that, for me, I felt really limited by when I... When I started working on D&D. It was actually at the tail end of 4th edition D&D when I started working on Open Legend. And at that time, like a lot of people, I think I was kind of frustrated with D&D because it felt really restrictive with 4th edition. Um, you know, you you hit these level tiers and you got this like selection of three different abilities you could choose from and that's it. And it just felt, you know, it felt narrow. So I wanted something that was broad and open, like like we said, open genre, but also open, not just in genre, but in in storytelling, like in the feel of I can do many things instead of like I'm real narrow and I can do just this narrow subset of, of things, right? So, you know, I think Open Legend is different than other games because I also love games like Dungeon World, for example, if you've ever played it. You know, like I think that they did a great job of bringing a lot of focus on storytelling to the community and I'm really, I, I love, I just love some of the stuff and you'll see some influences from that in Open Legend. But Anyway, at the end of the day, Open Legend walks the line between the two, right? Between the two extremes, you know, and that's something that makes it unique in my opinion because, you know, when you look at a game like D&D, even 5th edition, which in my opinion is the best edition of D&D so far, that's just personal opinion, even when you look at that, you still have these narrow, you know, like paths that you're traveling down. You can't just kind of envision something that's completely outside of the trope you know, that RPGs prescribe and then play it. And so for me, you know, that's, I think that's where Open Legend really shines. And, you know, like I said before, then it also has more rules in a game like Dun- like Dungeon World does, right? So that you have more strategy, more of a character building, uh, feel like you're, you're doing something. So I don't know, that's, I mean, and then you say, what sets it apart? And it makes me think, another thing that I've said in other interviews, and I think this is, is worth noting is that there is something of a it's not it's actually not going to surprise you element as well because I feel like a lot of games that you have like eighty five percent of 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 people playing Dungeons Dragons who play role playing you know tabletop role playing games and then there's the other fifteen percent right and if you're in that other fifteen percent it's like there's a million games and they're all like fighting with each other and everybody's just trying to do a different take on being like not D&D, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so in a lot of ways, Open Legend feels familiar like D&D, but we just remove a lot of the restrictions and the barriers and the things that kind of like, in my opinion, inhibit creativity, you know? So, but but it doesn't try to be different just for the sake of being different, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things like, you know, hit points are still a thing. Like we've done it in video games and role-playing games forever. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of systems that don't use hit points just because I feel like it's a weird abstraction, you know? (laughs) Anyway, I don't know, you know, defenses, even like your defense scores are similar to what you actually would have in D&D in Open Mm -hmm. Legend, you know, but we have exploding dice, which are like way, way, way more fun than how it rolls in D&D. So, yeah. So let's explore that a little bit. So with the exploding dice thing, is it is it something where as long as you keep hitting those critical levels, you are just going to keep getting that much more? 
Yeah. Um, critical levels. Define that for me. What do you mean? Well, just like, say, um, you're rolling a d20, you roll yep. a 20, you keep rolling a 20, you keep rolling a 20. It just keeps going until yep. you get to that final roll where you're not hitting that. Yep. I got. I, I am so proud of the fact that I wish I had like a like a close-up camera like right on the dice as they were rolled but it was it happened live on a recorded session so these guys uh, who have a YouTube channel uh, they're called Nerdarchy I don't know if you've ever heard of those guys but I went they actually live only about an hour from me or 45 minutes so I actually went over to their house and played in their basement um, and we recorded a session and and during the session that we've recorded the one guy roll uh, Ted rolled three consecutive 20s Jeez. So he and the chances that you know are one one in oh, eight thousand, yeah. you know. So uh, it was awesome. But anyway, yeah, yeah. As long as you roll maximum on the dice, you keep rerolling. But to add to what you said, the other thing that's real different from D and D is instead of like adding like plus three, and then I'd have this other feat that gives me another plus two, and blah blah blah, and or like Pathfinder where it's plus fifty seven, or you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, Instead of doing that in Open Legend, you just increase your dice pool, and so there's no static numbers that you you like roll and then add a static number total to the result. You're always everything is swingy, everything is always dice, right? So at a a reason of like a a really specialized first level character might actually be able to do a, a typical attack where they're going to roll d20 plus four d6. But their actual attribute dice are 2d6. So they're only going to keep two of them. So the idea is you roll four and you keep the best two. And then the other two are from different ways that you can get advantage. And advantage is like a plus one, except in Open Legend, you add an extra die. And you still keep the same number as your attribute dice would indicate otherwise. But you get to add more. And you're doing that because you hope to get explosions. So, you know, if I have advantage six and I'm rolling d20 plus 8d6 then there's like a really good chance that I'll be able to get some explosions there. So it's, like uh, it. it's a lot of fun when you actually play it. I mean, I have it's been a pretty unanimous thing, even among like veterans who have played a lot of other games that say, like, this is a really, really, really fun mechanic. Nice. So I like that because it's funny because that was one of the things that kind of popped into my head because I just I thought of one of my friends that as, as soon as he, you know, as soon as we talked about the old exploding dice thing and having more options for that, you know, like you said with the D6s, I, I was wondering to myself, I said, okay, I was thinking, okay, he's either really going to love it or he's <laughs> going to be perturbed by it, but probably still really love it. So, you know, <laughs> you know it's, a, it, it's hard to, to know what comes of that. But I think mm-hmm. when it comes to, when it comes to any kind of fantasy setting, I think a lot of the times when there's more options available i think people are more excited about it so that's i love yeah. that option <clears throat> yeah um yeah. you had talked to you talked before a little bit about magic possibly being kind of in everywhere in this game so mm-hmm. kind of elaborate on elaborate on that if you if you would yeah sure so the idea is um with open legend uh one of one of my least favorite things about D is spell lists mm-hmm. and open like i don't actually like, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I mean, I, I like legitimately have some level of anxiety about it because it's like, I mean, I have a hundred options and I have to like decide before I know what's going to happen every day, like which three spells 
like the, the the idea that I'm that me picking spells is like a gamble where I'm like rolling some dice and I might like they've done a lot better right in fifth edition, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess maybe I'm talking more about like third and second edition or whatever. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like where you could seriously memorize a spell that had absolutely no use and it just, just <laughs> I mean that's like what what kind of, like. What kind of game does that? That's not fun. I mean, yeah. sorry, like that's not fun when I mean like people think that's strategy and I guess it is, but for me strategy, you can also say strategy is how you use it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what Open Legend about is about all of your abilities that you have access to in terms of which are which are typically banes and boons. Um they're all accessible all the time. There's no limit to how many times per day you can use uh like even heal, and people are going to say, oh my gosh, you know, you know, like you can heal in, uh, unlimited. Yeah, you, actually you can. Um, and so it's more of a cinematic storytelling take on things where the victor of a combat, you know, just because you can heal it around doesn't mean that you'll succeed, and it doesn't mean that, you know, the enemy won't also be able to. So it, it works itself out in practice. Um, but anyway, so, so beans and boons are like, your damage is determined by your attribute dice, like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have like separate damage rolls. We just have an action roll. And mm-hmm. you take your action roll and you, you subtract the defense of the target, and that's how much damage they take. It's very simple. Um, and then you can change things like how big the area of the attack is by taking disadvantage. And you can also... Uh, so damage is flat, right? Damage is, is t- uh, pinned to your attribute score, and then you can add secondary effects on top of it with banes. So if you do, if you're a, a fire mage and you unleash this blast that's like 15 foot by 15 foot, and you know you roll really high, if you beat the defense by 10 of the target, then you also trigger a bane, and you can choose that on the fly. So it doesn't have to be persistent damage where they're like on fire and they keep taking damage. It could be a lightning blast that like sends them flying with the forced move bane, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can sort of, so you're able to tell the story dynamically kind of on the fly rather than being locked into like secondary effects that are locked to a spell list, for example. Mm-hmm. And it also means you don't have to memorize like all these spells. You can just, you know, think about what type of, you can almost, with a good GM who knows the rules, you can just say, like, I want to do this type of effect. And it's almost, in many, many, many cases, it's already going to be a bane in the system. You know what I mean? Like, it's already mm-hmm. covered, and you just need to know, you just need to look it up in the rules, and it's way easier. And you look it up when it's relevant, rather than spending, like, an hour beforehand, <laughs> or, like, in my case, six hours beforehand, trying to <laughs> decide which spells I want to, you know, use or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, since you have such as this open system with that, and you're able to use that for the specific time, is there another an opposite reaction to that if things don't go well? If you if things don't go well, explain that. Sorry, almost like almost like a like a fail itself, because it seems like you yeah, know yeah. we've got a we've got a lot of action towards right. if you do good, but it, it right. doesn't go the opposite way. Right, right, and that's where the and and your that's a great leading question. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's, that's that's why I'm here to interview you. <laughs> the uh, um, so yeah, we have that's where the inspiration from Dungeon World comes in. So uh, we do have a, a fail forward mechanic, so to speak. I don't like the idea of I, I do some the most 
common thing that people say. Either people love it or they hate fail forward. And the the thing about it is it's really deeply tied to open legend in a way that feels actually, in my opinion, very organic and relevant. Because what you actually, in a game where you don't have magic that, that has unlimited use, right, then you, then, you know, failure being meaningful is sort of maybe less important. But in open legend, where you could attempt to, you know, put somebody to sleep with the enchantment, you know, with the incapacitated bane uh, via the enchantment attribute, if you do that and it fails, you know, there has to be a repercussion. Otherwise, you'll just keep trying over and over and over again, right, which makes the game boring. So it becomes, in order to save you from uh, resource management, where you're always having to say, like, I have X number of spells and I have to save them and ration them out, we, we, we allow the game to be a little more fluid in terms of storytelling, and so that's where, uh, you know, we have, we have failure. It, there's success with a twist, you know, where you succeed but something else goes wrong, you know, in the process. And it's okay for there to be failure. Like, some people get upset and they say, like, oh, the idea that you can never fail. Uh, we tried our best to be specific about that in the rules, which is that the danger snowballs, for example, is another example, is another one, right? Like, just make the story change. Just don't have, like, ten people in your party line up to try to unlock the door and just go down the ro- the, the line rolling dice over and over and over. Because if you're going to do that, just let them in the door because somebody's going somebody's gonna to succeed, right? You know? So, but but when somebody fails, make it count. Whether that's, like, their lockpick breaks off, Right? Like so that's that's a that's a hard failure. That's not like, you know, throwing a softball at the players that's just, you know, all warm and fluffy, whatever. But it the story should change. So that's mm-hmm. Open Legends idea is that when failure happens, the story needs to change in some way. That can be failure, that can be things get even worse, that can be like a narrow escape from death, but yet something else goes wrong, you know, whatever. That's up to the GM to to narrate and to to creatively handle. And I like that idea because I've seen that in too many role-playing games, too many too many people doing the same thing like that. Like, I try to convince this guy that I'm the king, and then the other person goes, I try to convince them that I'm the queen. You know, it's like, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> One yeah. person fails, guess what? It's over. That yeah. person's walking off or calling, calling the guards or something. You know, it's just... That totally. always drives me crazy. I'm like, okay, this can't happen, you know, with a party of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I totally. Uh, that's that's my reaction. I it's just that it's like, you know, it's not so much that we want it to be on easy mode. It's just that I mean, if you're gonna let ten people roll a d20, uh, just just let them succeed. There's really not any point in having them roll the dice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, What's, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a waste of time, and when you're role-playing, time is very precious. <laughs> yeah, and if you've decided that there's, like, if they're picking that lock, and there's somebody that's about to come around the corner, then, yeah, right, all ten of them can't do it, so the first one matters. Like, did they fail? <laughs> if they failed, then they get caught, you know? So, I don't know, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It makes sense. Let's talk about, because this is coming out, as far as I know... I'm, do, I'm winking at the at the camera. Um, you've got a lot of talented people that are going to be working on this project. So let's talk about that a little bit, shall we? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good thing to talk about. Yeah, I'm super honored that these people have uh, agreed to contribute. Uh, I can't I can't stress enough how like 
uh, people, everybody wants to know how did that happen, and I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, contacted these people and showed them what I was working on, and they were willing to do it. So I guess that's great. You know, it's a, it's an endorsement in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we have um, Ed Greenwood is writing for uh, the city of Schlechtenburg, which is um, so we have a. So we have the core rules, and then we have Amoria's Dawn, which is our campaign setting. And that what we wanted to do to showcase how open the, the whole system is, the Amoria's Dawn campaign setting, it blends a number of different genres. So there's like high fantasy, savage jungle mixed with like biotech engineer, like organic bioengineering, and then like a steampunk off-world that, you know, is kind of invading through this portal um, where they're, well, they're not invading, they're just colonizing or trying to harvest for resources. So anyway, the steampunk world, which is just this, you know, 100-mile-wild megalopolis that's just consumed everything, you know, around it, uh, that's written by Ed Greenwood, um, so that's super exciting. Nice. Um, and he's done an amazing, amazing job. Some people on, on, on Kickstarter, some people do this stuff on spec where like, if I get money, then we'll, in my case, I already have the writing from Ed Greenwood. I've read it and trust me, you guys will want to read it. It's amazing. Um, so, (laughs) and, uh, also Matthew Mercer from, uh, Critical Role, uh, Geek and Sundry's Critical Role show. He's going to be writing a a sort of like smattering of different, uh, little odds and ends. Uh, So he's sort of jumping around into a lot of different places. One thing of note is like, uh, there's a kind of, in, in Omoria, we call them hierophants, but they're like nature spirits, right? But this one in particular is like a dragon, and it's kind of like a fallen or corrupted nature spirit. And so, because Matt loves dragons, when he and I talked about you know what he how he wanted to fit himself in and what he wanted to write, he was real enthusiastic about doing the dragon. So, so that's uh, and there will be some art for that too. Uh, it's almost the artist, the illustrator is almost finished with that piece. Uh, so. So that's cool. And then other people include, let's see, Dan Dillon from Kobold Press, Brandis Stoddard, he's with Tribality, and Savannah Broadway, she is with, she's done a bunch of stuff for Paizo. So those guys are all on the team. And then, uh, oh my, uh, my, my brain is like totally addled. <clears throat> I can't imagine people doing movie credits and figuring out the, that thing about like the order to yeah. list people yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Because you my you, brain, every time I try to do it, my brain is just scrambled. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Because, because here's the thing, right? The, the, the last person I need to mention is very, very important. He is, he's like been very, working very closely with me. His name is Ryan Chapals and he's the producer at Hyper RPG. It's a Twitch it's like a, a Twitch studio, so mm-hmm. to speak, about mm-hmm. that's focused on RPGs and stuff like that. He's an incredible writer, and he's doing, uh, amongst other things, he's doing these these crazy elves that are like these organic bioengineers that they kind of skipped over the like the information and industrial age and went right to the sort of like organic engineering or something. So they don't have like machines, but they do lots of weird stuff with genetics and you know, sort of tinkering with the building blocks of life, so to speak. But anyway, Ryan is uh, he's an amazing collaborator. Um, and uh, those are the main people, I think, that I should mention. So, nice. But yeah, anyway, I'm super, super excited about, uh, about all of them. That's awesome. And what about, and included in there, was that, was that the people that are working on the art for this too? Didn't even mention them. <laughs> There's also 
Uh, Crystal Sully from Digitally Untamed. She's an, she's an amazing uh, monster illustrator. She's doing the dragon that we just mentioned, amongst a bunch of other things. Ilsa Gort is uh, an incredible... I don't even know how to categorize her as an artist because she can literally do anything. And she's oh, just, I love that. She's just really, really, really good. She's doing a lot of the environment pieces uh, for like the landscapes of the various places in the world. Ivan Sevik, he's uh, a really great illustra- character illustrator. Uh, so he's done a lot, uh, mo- most or all of the NPCs, uh, you know, portraits we have. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Sometimes you get small NPC portraits in in Memorias Dawn. Many of the important NPCs have like full page art that really uh, tells their story, and I'm like super super excited to share that with everybody. So, and then who else? Oh dear, Tristan Ishmael. He's going to be doing the cover for one of the books. Uh, and he actually works for Hairbrain Studios, who does like Shadowrun stuff. Um, so he's nice. going to be doing the cover. So anyway, Very there's the shout-outs. They're long, but uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. It's a good credit roll, and everybody got their due, so that's good. <laughs> so I think we've talked about this pretty much in length. The last thing I'd like to talk about is, uh, well, actually, I'll talk about two more things, if that's okay. The next thing I'd like to talk about is if you're willing to, is talk about what people are going to be expecting when the Kickstarter comes out. What kind of levels, what kind of, I don't like to say extras because a lot of times people are always clamoring for that and I don't want to like make people promise what might not be coming down the chute, but you know, what's the base of what, what they'd be looking for? Yeah, so it's a dual, it's a, it's a strange thing because it's a dual campaign, so um, you don't have to do you don't have to do both the core rules and the setting. You can do either or, um, so you'll be able to choose either either one. You can get both in PDF only. You can get PDF for one and hardcover. Uh, if you get the hardcover, you automatically get the PDF. So there's that. Um, nice. You know, and then you can get the the PDF of one and the hardcover and PDF of the other. You can get both. There's a limited edition like with the gold foil like embossing on the cover with like a you know the kind of archival library look so that'll be out there that's exciting and then higher stretch goals are things like being involved in like pilot test sessions of adventures that we're going to be running in the campaign setting so you can like if you pay more you'll be able to be one of my like inner circle testers for before i release some of this stuff and yeah, that, that's, and then, so I think you kind of asked about rewards and also stretch goals. So I'll talk about that's rewards. And then for stretch goals, because we wanted to showcase the openness of the setting uh, or of the, the system, we've actually come up with a list of eight different campaign setting hooks that we're going to uh, implement. And what'll happen is when, when each one gets hit as a stretch goal, we'll do a flash vote It'll last for 24 hours, and that's that's it. You got 24 hours to get your vote in, and whoever gets the most votes, that campaign that campaign setting will be produced as a mini setting. Um, we may then, it's going to be our option as to how we approach like, you know, fully fleshing that out. Although there are like there are also much higher stretch goals where we we promise to actually flesh those out. But we'll we'll sort of take and we'll vote one at a time, and we'll create like all these mini campaign settings in the in the earlier uh, phases of stretch goals. And then if it gets really, really, really high, which, you know, I hope that it does and I'm not holding my breath or anything, but if so, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll knock those out as, as like complete, you know, more finished or polished campaign settings that, you know, just the small ones will be complete. 
they'll just have a lot. They'll have the art and all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't get with the um, with the mini campaign setting. There'd be a lot more art, um, a lot more content, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Other things I'm trying to think in like the high stretch goals. We want to do stuff like short stories. There's novels. There's stretch goals for doing more art. Stretch for stretch goals for doing adventures that will be. And so, uh, much like a lot of other camp, you know, Kickstarter campaigns that have done well, I'm trying to study and learn from them. Uh, you know, you'll be able to get like a PDF option that that gets you all of these. Uh, you know, so every stretch goal that we unlock, you'll get at least a PDF version of it, and then uh, from there, you know, you'll be able to also, of course, purchase it. But that all depends on how things go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. purchase a, makes... fi- a physical version of it but yeah 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 that's awesome well i'm excited about it just this ever just talking about all of it and trying to prepare for this i told brian that i have a very bad memory so i was trying to remember bits and pieces that i could but <laughs> just the amount of work that you've put into this it's really exciting and i don't think you're going to have that much of a problem funding, but you know, <laughs> hey, th- things have happened, so I I won't I won't I, uh, I won't ma- I won't uh, give you a bad luck by saying anything. <laughs> I, I I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, if people have, I, I'll I'll tell you this: the only thing that worries me about how well we do is just, um, you know, a lot of people that do really well in Kickstarter are well known in the industry, and I am new. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, if you have concerns about it, a couple things: one. The rule system, and I wish we had mentioned this earlier in the episode, but that's okay. The rule system is free, so I don't think we specifically called that out here. So it's already there. It's already done. So you're not, like, you know, backing on the basis of speculation around how the game is. It's, it's, it's finished. You can go to openlegendrpg.com and you can check out. Uh, there's, there's a small bit that, like we mentioned earlier, that still needs to be added, but it's 95% complete. And then also, you know, can we actually publish and finish a book? Yeah, we already did that. There's the Star Once Fallen Adventure module. Um, so you can go to Drive Through RPG, look up a Star Once Fallen, download that. Um, I need to get the print version on Drive Through. It's not right now, but should be soon. But if you want, you can go to Amazon if you want a print version because there's a print version on Amazon.com uh, of a Star Once Fallen if you want to pay for it and get a physical copy. So those are hopefully things that build confidence in people that we can deliver this. And uh, other than that, I was just going to say, you know, I'm always there at, you know, my Twitter handle at OpenLegendRPG. If you want to reach out there, I'm always happy to answer questions. And if you're not on Twitter, you can go to go to OpenLegendRPG.com in the left side, look for community. And that's where um, everybody who's in the community who are playing the game are there, including me. And uh, you can just sign up there and just you know, post something publicly or message me privately if you want to get in touch with me and you're not on Twitter or whatever. So I'll ask you this one last question. It You said you're newer to this whole thing, but it mm-hmm. seems like you put a lot of work into it. You're working with a lot of great people to make this successful. What would it mean for you to get this thing running on the ground? <laughs> oh, man. It would, mean, it would mean a lot to me. I am somebody who I've never really felt comfortable inside of the... The, the, the sort of boundaries of D&D. So like as a, as a GM for the last 20 years, I, I quite literally for every campaign that I've run, I, I rewrite almost all of the rules. I'm not joking. Um, I, make, <laughs> I make character classes for like that are specific to the world and have the feel and the vibe of that world because I don't like to use like tropes. So they often, they don't match with like, 
oh, I, I'll pull in the you know the east, uh, the far eastern you know campaign setting and just borrow from it. Like that doesn't work for me because I tend to do things that are outside of even those kind of norms or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the point is, this game is something that I like. I have never felt more fulfilled as just a tabletop gamer since I've been playing this game. I don't, you know, I don't play D&D anymore. I do sometimes, but like, you know, not regularly. And uh, I just want people to play the game. So when you say, what would it mean? The thing that matters the most to me, and that's why it's free, is that people play it. Like, I don't care about anything else. I just want people to play the game. Like, because Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. And I just want to find the other people who have the same interests and goals in playing an RPG, and I want them to play it. I know that there are a lot of them out there. I I have a lot of confidence in that, and I just want people to try it out. And to me, like having somebody tell me a story about what they did playing my game, that's like the most rewarding thing in the whole world to me. And and that, so when you say what it means to me, that's really, I think, the core of it for me anyway. I don't know. Nice, nice. That's awesome. That's good. That's that's the mark of somebody who really loves what they do. They just want you to experience it no matter what. So, um hey, so I will just tell everybody to when it comes when it when the Kickstarter comes out on October 18th, make sure you look for it. Make sure you put your money towards it cuz guess what? You're going to get a heck of a lot out of it <laughs> even beforehand. Go to the Open Legend RPG website. Take a look at it. Decide if it's for you. If it's not, maybe it'll be for somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Christmas is coming up. Buy it for your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. But yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, coming up here pretty soon, we'll be talking about uh, the future of Open Legends. So I can't yeah. wait for that to happen. Yeah, man. And it reminds me, I'm just going to throw in this one thing. Uh, Ed Greenwood sent me a video that we're going to be featuring as part of the Kickstarter trailer just the other day, a couple days ago. And uh, it's crazy because, you know, I'm working with these guys that have these really big names. And the thing is, and this is for any other game designer, uh, this is a little tip uh, that you can, you know, you can take if you want to work with people like that. Um, They're busy and just be super respectful of their time. You know, don't ask a lot of them. And that's kind of how I was, I think that helped me in, in, in getting these people on board. And then you wonder, but what happens then if you do it that way, which is the right way, then you wonder like, are they like, you know, did he read the website? You know, does he know about what he's contributing? Well, you know, when he, you know, his opening has a bit of an endorsement that like, I mean, honestly, kind of brought a tear to my eye because just to think that this guy actually spent the time and I, I just get the feeling that he's really being genuine and genuinely impressed by what I did with it. And to me, that's like, there's no words to describe that. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. he's a storyteller. That's what I am. He's a storyteller. He respects what I'm trying to do as a storyteller to help people to, you know, not just be limited by these 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 tropes, right? Where you can just tell any story, whether it's futuristic or, you know, fantasy or whatever. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just... Go, I'm rambling. I gotta stop no. myself. No, that's okay. That's a, that's a, that's a actually a good. That's a good uh, thing to talk about because again, just like us, they're regular people that have done this thing before, and they've started as we've started, so they've been there. So as long as you, again, like you said, as long as you res- respect them and respect their boundaries, then things should be okay. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> No problem. All right. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about it. I'm sure people are going to be excited once they listen to this. And 
it's gonna be awesome to see where it goes from there yeah i'm really i'm really grateful that you had me on kurt it's been uh it's been really great talking to you legends of tabletop podcast creating legends one die at a time